What is up, everybody? It is Warren Sharp here, and we are going to share with you today a Twitter Spaces recording that we did on Thursday night, right before the Green Bay Packer Kansas City Chief football game. And the topic we discussed was expectations for 2022 compared to the marketplace as it sits right now. We ran through a roundtable discussion myself, Rich Rebar, Ryan McChrystal, Curtis Hirsch, and we talked about compared to market. Teams were higher or lower on. Quarterbacks, we are higher or lower on. Wide receivers, we are higher or lower on. Running backs, we are higher or lower on. We also talked about our favorite player prop bet that we've made this season, the favorite player that we've drafted this season for fantasy football, and an early look at week one, our favorite bet, our favorite total, favorite matchup. We covered it all, and we did so through the lens of sports betting and futures and props as well as fantasy football, especially with our expert, Rich Rebar. And so before we say goodbye and let you listen to that, I do want to mention two things, both of which are coupons and both of which will expire Friday night at midnight. The first one was SPACES70. You'll hear that repeated frequently throughout this. You enter the code SPACES70 on the futures package, you'll get $70 off that futures package. And by the way, that futures package doesn't end when week one starts. For the first season ever, we're going to be delivering futures all season long. We're going to be looking at the futures marketplace and finding optimal spots to enter. Space is 70, gets you $70 off that. Sharp 60, another coupon code, Sharp 60. If you're getting ready to draft fantasy football, if you want to get all of Rich Rebar's content for the draft, you don't have to pay anything for it. Enter code SHARP60. You get the free draft kit. You get all the NFL draft content for your fantasy football leagues that you're going to need to draft a great team. It's going to take down your buddies, take down your opponents. And you get all of his in-season content for $5 a week. That's it, $5 a week. This saves you $60 off the price, SHARP60. So use those two codes, whether you want to buy futures, whether you want to buy fantasy football. Oh, and by the way, we just introduced weekly and monthly pricing options on the website. Now you don't have to buy it for the whole season right now, day one, pay the full price. You could buy it on a weekly basis. You could buy all of our NFL only content, our NFL plus college content, or our all access content. You don't pay anything until September and you're going to be charged on a weekly basis. It's a great way to ease your way into this. So at any rate, that's what I got for you tonight. Check out the Twitter spaces. All right, guys. What is up? We are so close to the start of the season. Uh, it is super great to be able to do uh, another Twitter spaces with you because we love doing them so much. Uh, we've got a lot of the Sharp Football family going to be here with us tonight. Uh, and we're going to be talking everything we're going to be talking Season-long betting and futures, we're going to be talking strategies, we're going to be talking some fantasy football, we're going to be talking a lot of teams were either higher or lower on than market, quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, etc. that were higher or lower than the market currently, and we're going to be giving out a bunch of bets, some of our favorite player props, and, and also talking about some week one bets uh, that we love as well. Um, so two things, though, that I want to do. First, an announcement. We are going to be giving away free monthly subscription, one free month to Sharp Football Analysis All Access. So you get all of my betting stuff, you get all of Rich's fantasy stuff 
which is the best in the business. I, I love Rich's fantasy stuff. He continues to impress me year after year with how much more he adds to what he does every single year. And I'm going to get him to talk a little bit more about his fantasy stuff in a little bit. Um, but we're going to be giving away a free all access sub. I'm just going to be choosing somebody at random in order to qualify for it. And you're going to be chosen during this hour. You just have to quote tweet that announces the spaces. I'm going to retweet the tweet right now. Uh, I just retweeted it. If you go on Twitter, quote tweet that and you'll be qualified to get a free monthly subscription. We just opened up monthly subscriptions and weekly subscription, by the way, guys, to the site. So now you can get on board for a week or a month of access and uh, you won't be pay- you won't be charged until September. So you get it now, you get all the bets. We're sending out bets for week one already. Uh, you get all the richest fantasy stuff for your fantasy drafts. No charge until we get into September. So um, hope you guys are able to uh, to give it a quote tweet, and we'll pick somebody at random for that. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get started right now. I want to talk to the guys here about a team that they are higher on than the market. Um, so whether it's usually most typically it's the betting market, um, but in, in cases it, it could be like a fantasy team for, for Rich if he's thinking along it along those lines however you want to interpret this question i'll toss it to you first rich like is there a team right now that you think you are higher on that the consensus out there believes of this team i mean i don't know about the consensus but uh still same answer that i had basically the entire offseason for this question and that's the new orleans saints uh they just still look like one of one of the top four to five teams in the nfc the way things are stacked up uh, you look at what happened to them last year. I mean, they had the most injured offensive line in the NFL. Their most frequent five offensive linemen that played on the field together were just on the field together for 17% of their snaps. This is a team that got basically no production out of their wide receivers last year. They were 29th in the NFL in targets and yardage per game to their wide receivers. Now you add Chris Olave with a pick. You get Jarvis Landry through free agency. Maybe we'll see Michael Thomas play. Uh, you know, and then we've got fairly decent moderate to positive news that Alvin Kamara might not be suspended yet this season. Uh, and then they've got nothing out of their backup quarterbacks last year after they were five and two with Jameis Winston. Uh, and also one of the unique things about this team is also too their, their defense, I believe is one of the best in the NFC, but also the unique thing with this team is that for overhaul for losing their head coach, like there's no overhaul here. Like it's uh, Pete, Pete Carmichael has been there the entire tenure, basically since Drew Brees got there, Dennis, Allen, same thing. This is a team I still remain high on. I think they're one of the best teams in the NFC. Yeah, no, it's a popular team among the Sharp guys. Uh, we've even seen some action on some of the futures in, in not just the season-long stuff, but already looking at some of the Week 2 betting uh, lines. You can get those betting lines. Uh, you can bet on these games. It's really nice now that, you know, the, the fan duels and DraftKings and sports betting has been legalized across the country, state by state. So many different states are coming on board. You know, you could bet a lot of week two at so many different spots. It used to be very difficult to do that. Now it's not. And right now, I mean, people are seeing the issues with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line. This is one of the reasons why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys total total was absolutely smashed from 52 down to 50 at most spots right now. It's because of the lines on both of these teams. Yes, there was the whole Tom Brady issue and mass singer or not like he wasn't there for a little while but this happened even before that this was based upon the health of the tampa bay buccaneers offensive line and right now the saints are catching three points at home against the bucks in week two it was three and a half i was bed bed three 
It's down to three right now. Um, still potentially worth a bet given how the Saints have performed against the Bucks historically. Um, Ryan, I'll jump over to you. Same exact question. What team are you higher on than the market? Yeah, for me, it's the Raiders. Uh, their over-unders at eight and a half, which is obviously a bit lower than the 10 wins they had last year. And I think one of the big factors that has maybe made made people sour on them a little bit is the schedule definitely gets harder this year. Obviously, Russell Wilson joining the division is part of that. That's going to be a brutal uh, division for everyone involved. Um, so you, I have to acknowledge the schedule gets harder, and that's going to be one of the reasons why they might struggle to get to 10 wins. But I think, at least from you know, a national media perspective, something that hasn't been talked about as much lately seems to be the fact that the coaching staff should be much improved and just not having the turmoil that they had to go through last year should help them. Um, I think Josh McDaniels, you know, one of the things I like about him and the reason I'm optimistic about him in his second tour as a head coach is he's now developed a really long track record in New England of adjustments to fit his personnel. And we've seen him being a really aggressive attacking downfield offense and Randy Moss was there. We've seen him do a lot more of like a dink and dunk kind of offense when, you know, Edelman and Welker and guys like that. He's kind of worked with it, worked with it all at this point in his career and has found success in all sorts of ways. Um, obviously, a lot of that was with Brady, and that certainly helps. But he also pieced together a pretty efficient offense with Mac Jones. So I think he's going to do really well with Derek Carr. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I, I think Patrick Graham is just a great fit there. I think he's going to do really well. So, you know, acknowledging that this is hard, I still like the over on their eight and a half because I think the coaching staff gives them a nice boost. Yeah, I really was hoping that their defense coordinator was able to stay with the Giants in New York. Um, obviously, that wasn't able to to work out, and they got Wink Martindale now. But um, an interesting team. Obviously, I think that the, the position is a little bit more split on them uh, with guys not quite as much on the bandwagon. So you're right, that's definitely a team um, that has some mixed reviews. Curtis, how about you? What is a team that you are higher on than the market? Yeah, and the first one I had mentioned, I was higher on the 49ers, and I remain that way. And if there's any suspension coming out of the Rams-Bengals melee today, I will remain high on them. But I'm going a different way with today. Uh, the situation I'm a little higher on market is maybe a bias or an incorrect market judgment. And that's a storyline around Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Look, I get a lot is written about Rodgers, Allen, Herbert to to get some clicks and storylines but what are we talking about here pat mahomes is still back in the league and that's the end of the discussion four years he's been in the league he's had two super bowl appearances and two conference final losses that one was an epic collapse last year and the other had a holding call which cost him a trip to the super bowl so for me it's the pat mahomes chiefs narrative that people are just looking for reasons to fade these guys or to say they're not at the top but they still have Andy Reid, Mahomes, and a top three O-line. Uh, they might not have as complete of a roster as the Chargers because of a advantage that the Chargers get with the quarterback on a rookie deal, but don't be surprised when the Chiefs are in the AFC Conference Final game. Uh, that'll make, what, five straight years for Patrick Mahomes if he's able to do that. It really is amazing this offseason, the amount of shade that has been thrown the Chiefs way and specifically Patrick Mahomes, uh, whether it's, you know, the immediate aftermath of that AFC championship game or the, uh, what is it, the, the offseason reports from these 
uh, player scare scouts and whatnot that mentioned different things to his former players. Uh, you know, I don't blame his former players for liking the efficiency or accuracy of certain you know, quarterbacks that they're working with, but you don't have to like at the same time slander your own, your, your former quarterback. And they went out uh, with, with the ease to do so. Um, so no doubt about it. I think that is one team that this was a sell on team by the sharp betting groups right when the market opened for this. And uh, I did not jump on that bandwagon. I've not gotten on the bandwagon of the chiefs. I haven't bought them. But I certainly wasn't joining with the guys that were were fading them. Um, I tend to agree a little bit more with you, Curtis. For me, I don't remember. We, you know, we did a Twitter Spaces a while ago. I don't know which one, which answer I gave for this. We're going to go through a lot of different positions and talk about quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, etc. From a team perspective, I like the Dolphins more than most, and I think it's because as I like Tua more than most, and uh, that's a that's a topic we're going to be hitting on momentarily. So I'll save my comments about Tua for that discussion. Um, but I'm just going to say that he's never been put in a situation like he's being put in right now. I think the surrounding cast, the ability for these guys to get open, for Tua to throw the ball to people that aren't completely being blanketed for the first time in his career uh, is going to go a long way. The ability for a run game to exist, which he has never had before, the ability for an offensive line, maybe it's not going to give him top five, top 10 pass protection, but it's definitely going to be better than 30th 31st which he's had for the last several years I think he's going to be in much better position to have success this season Um, and I'll talk more about you know his journey when we talk about quarterback that we are higher on than market Um, Rich I'll swing it back to you we're not going to snake draft this we'll go all the way back to the beginning give me a team that you are lower on than the market Rich. I mean today was just another log on the fire but I (laughs) I was down. I've been down on the Cowboys the entire offseason. I brought up with Dan a few weeks ago. Uh, well, one, they've just got this mountain of turnover regression we know that's coming. I mean, they had the, the most turnovers as a franchise they've had in a season since 1987. They had six defensive touchdowns. They had 17 offensive scoring drives that were generated off turnovers. So that was the most in the NFL. Uh, that started this offseason, I mean, they lost 25% of their team receptions, 30% of their receiving yards, and 35% of their receiving touchdowns last year. Uh, and Cedric Wilson and Amari Cooper, they've been replaced with Jalen Tolbert, a third-round rookie, uh, and Michael Gallup, who we still don't know who is going to come back and play when he's going to be come back and play during, you know, he had a late MCL and ACL injury. Uh, you know, James Washington already has been hurt. They're going to be trotting out Noah Brown as a prime wide receiver you know to start the season against you know teams like Tampa Bay uh then you talk about just today what happened uh you know with Tyron Smith on top of already you know letting Lyle Collins go this offseason they could potentially start two rookies on the offensive line Terrence Steele was already one of the worst right tackles in the NFL last season I mean he a lot of pressure on 6.3 percent of his pass blocking snaps last year um you know Connor McGovern very average you know guard as well uh, and then this team still has like kind of the mindset of they want to run this offense through Ezekiel Elliott, which is, you know, it's unfortunate because Ezekiel Elliott's a lot better player than he gets dragged for. But the team has put themselves in such a basket with the contract and the way they structure their offense through Ezekiel Elliott that it puts him in kind of a no-win spot to where he has to perform at such this elite level. Um, and it's just hard to ask a running back to do to, to carry an offense to that degree. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the Cowboys were a team I was already down on. Today was just another, like, a little bit of kindling for the fire. Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead. This is on my list as well, and I'm just going to uh, throw another log on that fire and, you know, really throw this thing into a – to a rager, but I think that the 
impact that Smith makes on the field and Curtis, you know, we'll get to him in a second. And even if his team is not the Cowboys for this metric, I want him to opine on this because they are his, his favorite team. Unfortunately, we do have a, a, a Cowboys fan amongst us on our staff, but um, at any rate, look at the difference that Tyron Smith makes when he is on the field versus off the field. I was looking up these numbers earlier today when the news broke and, and I guess we'll pull back the curtain a little bit and, and share this, that once, once the news officially happened, when, when we didn't know what the injury was going to be, but we heard it was a hamstring, we're immediately jumping on our, our group Slack, talking about it and talking about the options of, of, of what we're looking to do and what the prognosis might be. And they initially thought that, oh, the ACL is intact. It might not be anything. And so I think a lot of people went to bed, especially Cowboys fans, like, you know, saying their prayers, but thinking optimistically, like, oh, we might have dodged a bullet with that one. And then all of a sudden, I think it was at like 12 or 1230 a.m. East Coast time, we get the news that actually it's a torn uh, hamstring and he is going to be out for months. Maybe his earliest return is going to be December. Well, I'm immediately on the phone with my guys out in Vegas and I'm talking to them about what we're doing. I'm getting down on the futures because if you guys are part of the futures package at Sharp Football Analysis, you already know months ago, we bet the under 10 and a half on the Dallas Cowboys at a great number compared to what it is now. We bet the Eagles to win the NFC East at a much better number than it is right now. And obviously me and my group, we're betting a bunch of money on all this stuff that we're giving to you guys as well. We then go out and double dip again last night and we're buying up all the plus 170 that we can get on the Eagles to win the NFC East. We're buying uh, more on the some long shot stuff for the Eagles because they're both correlated. If the Cowboys are going to stink, that's the team that the Eagles have struggled to get past in this division. The division, the Eagles have been doing very well against the Washington Commanders. They've been doing uh, very well against the New York Giants, but they have struggled against the Dallas Cowboys. And why might the Cowboys be significantly worse because of this injury? Well, Rich said throw another log on the fire. I say it's almost like the nail in the coffin because when Smith is on the field, let's talk about early down running back runs in the first three quarters. When Smith is on the field, this team is minus 0.03 EPA per rush. That might sound bad. Negative EPA is not good. However, that is the best team in the NFL over the last three years, minus 0.03 EPA per attempt on run plays in the first three quarters of games on early downs is the best in the NFL, which is obviously why passing is more efficient, but that's a topic for a different day. When Smith is off the field, they move from minus 0.03 to minus 0.23. You know where minus 0.23 ranks? That's 31st in the league. They legitimately, over the last three years, the massive sample size moved from number one to number 31 at running back runs on early downs in the first three quarters of games. We can also talk, although I won't get into all the details, about Dak Prescott and his performance when Smith is on versus off the field. He's much, much worse up against man coverage when Smith's not there. He's much worse when he's blitzed. The target of depth is significantly lower. Uh, he's much worse on first down pass attempts. So all of these things make me really say, like, I already loved fading the Cowboys this year. I already was buying the Eagles. And this only makes me, this only made me do so more. Um, and we'll talk even further later on when we share some other bets that we think have value at current prices. I'll get to this as well. But, um, Ryan, let me hit you now. Enough for me. Team that you're lower on than the market. Yeah, I'm down on the Panthers. Over under is six and a half, and I think that's really optimistic. And I don't really have any stats to throw throw behind this. This is really just a schedule analysis. 
bet for me. And also knowing the situation that they're in with Matt Rule being on the hottest of hot seats entering the year. They open things up with the Browns, where they're favored by one and a half. Then against the Giants, they're a one-point underdog. So basically they open up with two toss-up games. They could win either of those games, maybe even both of them. But then in order after that, they go Saints, Cardinals, Niners, Chargers, Buck. That's very likely an 0-5 stretch for them. I mean, they're not equipped to compete with those teams, I wouldn't think. And so I think really a best-case scenario through their first first seven games is probably 2-5. and five. That's best-case scenario. So now Matt Rule, the hottest co- on the hottest hot seat out there, sitting at 2-5, and five, what happens next? Does he get fired at that point? That's possible. Another possibility is he then just benches Baker Mayfield for, Matt, for uh, Sam Darnold. Not necessarily because I think Mayfield's going to do anything to deserve that, but if he's sitting there at two and five and has to make, he's got to do something, right? Uh, so maybe he forces himself into making a bad decision at quarterback. I mean, I mean who knows? He, he's just in a really tough position there. And I think that this is a team that could very easily check out, especially now that Matt Corral is out for the year, because there's not going to be anything that they can do at some point other than maybe firing rule to give this team a spark. But like, you know, let's say that the season's out of hand. They get towards the end of the year. Are, are they going to rally behind Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold to like close out the year on a hot street or something like that? Yeah, that happens. It's often because you got like a bunch of young guys, young quarterback. There's like, there's something that there to rally the team, make them look to the future. Uh, but if you're, you know, if you're, if you're two and 10 and you're trotting out Sam Darnold, like, the veterans on the team are likely to check out. So I don't see them closing the year hot or anything like that. I think they dig themselves a hole that they can't get out of early on. Interesting. We, we do have some futures up there on uh, some Baker Mayfield props that I might share later. Um, but let's go over to you, Ryan. Uh, sorry, Ryan. Thank you. Uh, let's go over to you, Curtis. Uh, talk to me first about your Dallas Cowboys and how sad you are at this very moment. And then talk to me about a team that you are lower on than the market. Uh, yeah, I, I cut out for the last five minutes or so, so I'll just assume I didn't miss anything important or anything no. you guys are saying. So uh, I'll just talk about the team that I'm lower on the market, and the market's pretty low on them anyway, but I'm lower on them in multiple ways. Uh, that team is hiding out in the Pacific Northwest with a 70-year-old coach that wants to run the ball like it's 1990 still. So that's the Seahawks. They just lost their franchise star, leaving a major downgrade at quarterback, and they're still going to run the ball at a top five rate, especially on early down. So I don't think it matters which quarterback is starting. I'm assuming we're going to see both quarterbacks at some point because things are going to get so bad there. But starting them with early down runs and third and long passes, it's just not going to be a recipe for success for the Seahawks this year. Uh, Also working against the game plan is they're scheduled to play a top 10 run defense schedule and we have them ranked as one of the bottom 10 O lines in the league so that's just on the offensive side of the ball so I'm fading them offensively for fantasy football you've got two de- two running backs that split early downs that aren't going to see third down work so regardless of health I'm going to fade both those running backs either way and then on the defensive side of the ball it might even be worse than the offensive side of the ball and they're slated to uh, play a top 10 schedule of offenses so I'm fading the running backs the receivers and probably still on the under I know it's came down a little bit but just on all I think the Seahawks are going to be 
they're running our top three next year. So just staying away from that team at all cost. Okay. Uh, we're going to change up directions a little bit. We're going to blend in a little bit of fantasy insight as well. Uh, obviously, you can bet on player props. You can bet on player futures, etc. So we're going to go position by position. First quarterbacks, then wide receivers, then running backs. And when Rich is on the mic, we're going to talk to him from a fantasy perspective. Obviously, he is our fantasy guru, and we're going to dig into a little bit more of what uh, he has up on the site in a little while. But uh, we're going to talk to him from a little bit more of a fantasy perspective. And then uh, Curtis and uh, Ryan can talk either fantasy or from a betting, you know, a props type perspective, uh, quarterbacks that were higher or lower than the market on right now. But I do want to mention this. So two things right now. The first thing is, if you quote tweet my pinned tweet, I just went there and pinned this tweet up at the top. You quote tweet this, we are going to give out one free all access monthly subscription during the course of this. This is probably in the next 20 minutes, we're going to give it away uh, at about 745. So we're going to give that away. All you got to do is just quote tweet it. I'll pick somebody at random and they'll get that package. Number two, we're talking about futures. We are betting, we did something different this year. We're betting futures before the season starts, and then we're also going to be giving up in-season futures, where we're still going to be looking at all the different betting markets that are offered, betting teams to win the, their divisions, to win the Super Bowl, awards markets, etc. And we're going to be giving those to you for the first time during the season. That's part of our futures package that we have up at Sharp Football. And we're going to do $70 off that package, which is going to have a big for you momentarily with uh, – fantasy content but $70 off all of our futures there's 26 of them out there right now you could go as soon as you buy it you're going to be able to look at them and see every one of those that we've already taken and we're releasing them almost on a daily basis I don't want to like bring your hopes up that we're going to release one tomorrow and the next day etc but twice already this week we've released different nights we've released futures and we have 26 of them up there uh already for you guys so the coupon code is spaces 70 s-p-a-c-e-s 70 you get 70 percent off the futures package so rich talk to me from a fantasy perspective what quarterback are you higher on than the market uh, I, I know people are probably looking for some late round guys here but uh you know with, with your one quarterback leagues the ball everyone's playing we got to start at the top uh, because you shouldn't be getting too far into the weeds here. And when you look at general population ADP, your ESPNs, your Yahoos, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts is still the QB7. He's a guy I was higher on last year uh, and, you know, kind of got laughed out. And it happened uh, to where he was actually posted 11 QB1 scoring weeks and 16 starts, which was tied for the most in the league. Without a midseason ankle injury, I mean, Jalen Hurts could have had a realistic shot to be the QB one overall in fantasy scoring. And now you go into his third season now, the Eagles have, done just about everything they can to see exactly what they have in, in Jalen Hurts. You add A.J. Brown, he already has the one, arguably the best offensive line in the league. It's our second-ranked offensive line in the season as a group. Uh, Dallas Goddard, an elite tight end. You got Devontae Smith uh, in year two. And on top of that, the Eagles open with pass defenses that were 30th, 15th, 28th, and 27th in defensive EPA against the pass. Uh, in five games against bottom pass defense last year, Hertz had a 70% completion rate, eight yards per pass attempt. Uh, there's just a huge runway here for a lot of points. And when you look at him compared to guys that go ahead of him, particularly one as Lamar Jackson, who scores his fantasy points in a very similar fashion, everything 
the on the peripheral level is better for Jalen Hurts than it is for Jackson. The offensive line's better, the schedule's better, the pass catchers are better, and you still get like that rushing economy code action. Uh, so Jalen Hurts at Q seven. There's another quarterback I'm talking about that goes ahead of him in a mid, uh, but definitely that's still a little bit too low for the upside you can get. Yeah, I think the one thing when we talk about Jalen Hurts, one of the things that we need to be accounting for is what this Eagles team was last season in terms of, you know, the talent that they had at the roster, particularly at that receiving position. Um, and, and and then what they have now with A.J. Brown. I mean, Devonta Smith was their number one. He was obviously a rookie last season. Dallas Goddard was their number two in terms of uh, receptions. And then Quez Watkins and Kenneth Gainwell were, were number three and four in terms of numbers of receptions last season. I mean, that is not a receiving core that, it's going to scare defenses, number one. Number two, when you stick A.J. Brown on the field, forget just how great he is and how he can produce when he is targeted. But think of all the gravity that's associated with him and how the defense then plays your offense when A.J. Brown is on the field and the respect that you have to give to that player lined up where he is. Um, that's just going to open up things a lot more for some of these other players as well. Uh, all right, well, over to you, Ryan. What's what's a quarterback that you're higher on than the market? For me, it's Justin Fields, specifically taking the over on his passing yards. I think it really just boils down for me to him, uh, expecting him to become more comfortable versus pressure. Uh, that was one of the things that he struggled with at Ohio State. It was really the only knock against him, against him as a college quarterback was that uh, he, he tended to tuck and run a lot or just flat out make bad decisions. Um, and we started to see some progress last year. Through his first eight games, when he was pressured, he was sacked or scrambled 49% of the time. So basically, if you get pressure on him, 50-50 chance, he's not even going to throw the ball. In the final game, so that rate started to drop. It dropped all the way down to 33%. So we started to see a little bit improvement there, and that's going to be really critical to his success. I mean, if he can't continue looking downfield in the face of pressure, he's not going to be an NFL quarterback. But we saw a little bit of improvement last year. I think there's reason to believe that this coaching staff is better equipped for uh, preparing him for the season than last year's staff. So I'm expecting that to continue to improve. And you know, even if his efficiency only marginally improves, just by being able to make decisions under pressure means he's simply going to throw the ball more off as opposed to sacks or scrambling like he did last year. Yeah, that, that's definitely an under-the-radar type play. Uh, certainly, you guys have watched the Chicago Bears play. I'm guessing that you're not super excited to go make a bet like Justin Fields over. Um, but, you know, those are the bets that tend to do well because I can guarantee you, like, 10 of your buddies are thinking the same thing. Like, we should go bet this guy's passing yards prop under because of the pressure that he's going to be hit with this season. So um, that's, that's definitely cutting against the grain. How about you, Curtis? Yeah, I'll go back to Pat Mahomes. Uh, he's currently going in sixth or even seventh round of these $2,000 main event drafts that are going on. So that's way different than last year. I can honestly say, I don't think I drafted him once in fantasy football last year, just because he was so expensive and the receivers he has were also expensive. This year, it's a lot easier to pair up him and Kelsey or even Juju Smith-Schuster or MBS. So he is one of the only quarterbacks that actually scores more points when the Chiefs close as a smaller favorite. A lot of times in the past, the Chiefs have been such big favorites, they kind of slow down in the second half, and he scored less fantasy points in games when they close as 10 or more points favorites. 
this year they have the toughest strength of schedule. So I think they're going to have to put the pedal on the metal in most games. And I think he's got something to prove too with some of these off season headlines. So it's someone who I wasn't on before. And this year it's just, he's going off as QB three, sometimes four behind Allen, uh, sometimes Kyler, sometimes Lamar and Justin Herbert. So I'm getting a lot of them just because of the price. And I think he's a pretty safe, safe floor for sure. Yeah, here I'm going to hit up Tua again for me, and I'm going to talk a little bit, just just one nugget, because I already talked a little bit about Tua before, um, and, and the team in general and how it's better built. And previously I've talked about the ridiculous situation he was in his first two years uh, from a coaching perspective. But here I'll just throw out there that um, since 2019, I realize that this is not exactly Kyle Shanahan's offense. Kyle Shanahan is a calling place. It's Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel may not be as good as Kyle Shanahan. He's from that family, but he might not be quite as good. However, all of that said, since 2019, Jimmy G ranks number one in the NFL in yards per pass attempt. Number one in the NFL. And, and nobody is going to guess that if you said who is the quarterback that ranks number one in yards per attempt since 2019. Um, you can ask all your friends. I guarantee you, unless they've seen this from me on Twitter. They're not going to guess Jimmy. Uh, but he ranks 42 out of 43 quarterbacks in air yards per attempt. They throw the ball underneath and they produce after the catch. They get it to guys in space. And if you look at the receivers, I know they have Debo. I know they have had Debo in San Francisco since then. But it's George Kittle. It's Brandon Ayuk in the doghouse. It's Kyle Juszczyk. Like, it's not as if they have like just this ridiculous core of outstanding receivers that produce tons of yak themselves with the exception of Debo's ability to do that. So now he's in Miami and I just see all these receivers there that are fully capable of producing a lot of yards after the catch. Um, Obviously Tyree is first and foremost among them. Um, But if you look at some of these other receivers that they've got on their roster uh, receivers with the highest separation per next gen stats last year, Tyreek Hill ranked 14th in the NFL out of like, I think 80 receivers or something. Cedric Wilson, who they just added, ranked top 20. And Jalen Waddle on the Dolphins, obviously, last year ranked 35th. So, I mean, this team is going to get guys in space. I think his yards after the catch is going to really add to his yards per attempt total. Um, and I'm really excited to see what he does in the offense this season. Okay, let's move on to a quarterback that you are rich. I pretty easily here, Joe Burrow. Uh, and, you know, I, I get it because, you know, this is the point where like real life tends to bleed into fantasy. And obviously Joe Bo Burrow, uh, you know, just went to the Super Bowl in a second season. He really has like that modern day Joe Montana type vibe to him too as well, where he, you know, just he's athletic enough, maybe doesn't have the hugest arm, just has that, that he's dripping with all that swag that you see. But for fantasy football, I mean, this is a guy that had just, he had just three weeks where he was higher than the QB eight last year. He had seven weeks where he was the QB 16 or lower in fantasy scoring. And this was in a season where he had the third easiest schedule in the NFL. He led the league in completion percentage and yards or pass attempt. It was the first placer to do that in a season since Drew Brees. He had a six and a half percent touchdown rate, uh, something that notoriously is not going to roll over and be sticky. Um, you know, th- th- he doesn't have the rushing ability of the guys that go ahead of him. And that includes the guys that like aren't full, like Konami guys like Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes. Um, this, this offense has enough talent to kind of like beat any they still face but they have our dead last 
passing schedule this season. It's especially brutal down the stretch when there is some fluidity involved. Some of these teams might not be as good by the time we get to the end of the season. And But look at last year. I mean, Burrow faced just six top 10 passing defenses. In those games, 7.3 yards per pass attempt, 236 passing yards per game compared to 8.6 yards per pass attempt and 319 yards per game otherwise. Uh, for a guy that's going off the board in these general pop leagues that like at the QB5 and the QB6, uh, you, you're going to have to run into a season where he basically plays almost flawless football, throwing for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns uh, at his price. Something that I'm just not willing to pay. That Those are some crazy stats. I know there's probably a lot of Bengals fans. Uh, you know, it's funny, different fan bases out there, uh, different years, they get a little bit more animated. And I hate no teams. I love no teams. I love efficient football. I try to cover the NFL, just stating my stating facts and supporting it with, with data. But um, on occasion, you know, you'll say something, say some negative things is the Bengals after what happened last season, those fans are so juiced up. Um, they hate it when you say anything negative about their team, especially Joe Burrow. So um, those are some interesting numbers there, Rich Ryan, how about for you? What quarterback are you lower on than the market? Yeah, I'll be brief because I kind of already talked about them, but it's Baker Mayfield. Um, I'm on basically all the unders with him because I think he's going to get benched at some point. And I already talked about the scenario. If they dig themselves into a hole, Matt Rule obviously knows he's on the hot seat and is likely to get fired. He's going to have to make a change. And there's just not really anything obvious other than giving Sam Darnold another shot. Uh, And so I don't think Baker Mayfield is going to be able to – I just don't think he's going to play a full season. And then, you know, another factor here obviously is also that there's a big downgrade in his offensive play calling. I think Kevin Stefanski built an offense around his strengths and weaknesses, really. Uh, and Ben McAdoo, I mean, I'm sure he's trying, but I don't think any of us really think that McAdoo is capable of replicating what Stefanski was able to do when Mayfield was at his best. So big downgrade in the coaching staff. And I just, I think it's very likely he gets benched at some point. All right. For my answer, I'm going to go with Baker because that you just suggested as well as uh, we just got to keep this thing moving because we want to run through even more and more positions. But um, how about you, Curtis? Curtis, what quarterback are you lower on than the market? Yeah, I'll be brief as well because this one hurts and it was even before today. So it doesn't really matter. It, it was Dak. He obviously doesn't come with the Wait, rushing side that he did, did you say Dak? Yeah, I no. I can't remember anymore. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Traylon's fan now. Um, but yeah, it's for the reasons you guys mentioned earlier. And then today's kind of, yeah, like you said, final nail in the coffin. When I saw the numbers without Tyron Smith on the field, that that this offense is headed for some problems. So it was Dak before because I don't think he had a huge ceiling just because he doesn't have that rushing side. And now just the offense is going to struggle. So it's Dak. Okay, so now we're going to switch gears to the wide receivers that were higher on than the market. Before I do that, just want to remind you, less than 10 minutes, quote tweet my pin tweet, get a chance at the monthly subscription for free, and use Spaces70. Write this down, take a note, Spaces70. You get 70% off all of our 26 out there today. But before we talk about wide receivers, Rich, no, nobody's better to talk about what you're doing on the fantasy side of things than you. So why don't you talk briefly about what you've got here for from a draft kit perspective, 
uh, the, the draft approach, the positional draft approach pieces were outstanding. Your tiers uh, pieces are ridiculous. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and then what people will get during the season and, and drop that coupon code. Yeah, I'll, I'll be quick here because I know a lot of people want to you know hear hear about the players and stuff. But yeah, if you go to sharpfootballanalysis.com, I've basically done all my offseason work. Uh, you know, almost close to seventy articles on the site. Uh, probably about two thirds of those are free. The good stuff still is, is now been put behind the shelf for people that are members. Uh, and you know, typically when you buy a draft guide, it's people give you like lists of like sleepers and busts and rankings and player analysis. And I and I definitely have that stuff. But one of the things I really try to emphasize as a fantasy is teaching people how to play the get a game of fantasy football first. I'm someone that wants to hand out fishing poles instead of fish to you. Uh, you know, you know the great thing about fantasy football and also the the frustrating element of it too is that kind of anyone can win in, in a singular fantasy league. I give my grandma my my rankings and she might beat me in a league, but the one thing is if I know how to play. Uh, over the long haul of, of, of the course of a, a season and playing in multiple leagues and understanding what I'm doing, I'm going to I'm gonna win more than I'm going to lose. Uh, and that's what I do uh, at the site. I'm not here offering, like, you know, a, a skeleton key to anybody. I'm trying to teach everybody how to play. So eventually they don't need me. And I know that that, that, that stinks for, for so my longevity talk- in terms of, you know, turning a profit and keeping a job. But I generally want to teach people the, the way to play fantasy football. And that's try that's what I put at the forefront of all of my work. Uh, and I guarantee you when you do get into some of my work, I can write about something that you've read from 90 other, 99 other analysts. And I promise you that I'll have a, a, something that you learn new from it, no matter what, if you, you thought you knew going in or not. So that's kind of like the short, the short spiel. Uh, definitely go and check out everything I've put up this off season. Yeah, and you've got a code up there right now, um, and I don't know. Do you remember what that code is? Oh yeah, it's a uh, uh, sharp sixty. So if you use that sharp sixty, uh, it is uh, sixty dollars off. Uh, basically, puts you down to just five bucks a week for the season. And then you know, in season, you know, you get the the weekly worksheet, which uh, I promise you will definitely be worth the five dollars a week. Yeah, for sure. Plus, then you're getting the free draft kit and all the stuff that you got to get them ready for it. Um, I love it. I think you guys got to go and get the fantasy kit It's part of the all access as well. So if you buy the all access package, you'll get that uh, as well, but uh, you got to get that. So Rich, a wide receiver, you are higher on than the market. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll see if I can uh, maybe burn the trust right away. After that <laughs> uh, but you know, one of the, the things about playing, you know, fantasy football is, is being able to overcome recency bias, you know, players that, that, you know, being able to stay off of a guy who maybe ran hot, that maybe can't has few areas that can't repeat itself, or buying in on some players that were really big letdowns last year. And one guy that had been continuously higher on this entire offseason, because we can't talk about Michael Pittman anymore because everyone got there, uh, is Allen Robinson. Uh, you know, Allen Robinson's a guy who has 80% of his career targets that come from Blake Bortles and Mitchell Trubisky. And I understand he, he burned a lot of bridges last year for people that had him. You know, they could feel the collective eye rolls. So like, oh, no way, I'm not going back to this this guy but he's right now the receiver 30 in ESPN leagues which is absolutely insane uh you think about the situation he was put in in this Bears offense last year outside of you know having an ankle injury hamstring injury and missing time with COVID last year 40 percent of Allen Robinson's routes last season were strictly slants and curls uh on those routes he had just a 5.9 yard average depth of target 
Uh, and, you know, playing outside in the Sean McVay offense, he's going to get just a massive bump in route diversity and not just route diversity, but routes that are fantasy friendly. If you look at the Rams offense last year, when we talk about the slants and curls, their their entire route tree, just 20.9% of all the routes run by Rams pass catchers were those slants and curls that Robinson was boxed into on 40% of his routes. No team had more air yards last year on digs, post, go, and deep crossing routes than the Rams. No team had fewer air yards on those targets than guess who? Yeah, the Chicago Bears. Uh, Allen Robinson had just 10 total targets on those routes I named last year. 10. That's absolutely just insane. Uh, And then when you talk about the touchdown potential he might have, the Rams were also the most aggressive passing offense near the end zone in acquiring Matthew Stafford. Uh, They were fourth in red zone passing rate. They were second in pass rate inside the 10-yard line, and they were first in pass rate inside of the five-yard line. Now, playing with Cooper Cup, the days of Allen Robinson flirting with 135 to 150 targets are long gone, but the touchdown potential and the route diversity gives you a nice kind of, you know, inflection point of the number of league mates that are just going to say oh yeah i had that guy last year he stunk uh you know you can get some supreme value on him yeah i won't lie alan robinson this is one of the good things about our props uh a lot of the stuff that we bet you can still get for slightly different prices but you can still get alan Robinson over 25 and a half receiving yards at minus 140 we bet that a couple of weeks ago well what was it maybe a week ago or so once we knew that Matthew Stafford's arm and shoulder elbow was not going to be a massive issue this year. We jumped on Allen Robinson receiving yards over. So I concur with Rich. He likes him in fantasy. We like him in the futures market over receiving yards. 825 and a half is available right now. Uh, Ryan, which wide receiver are you buying this year? Yeah, this is a question for me to answer. It's Jalen Waddle. He's obviously coming off a really good rookie year. Um, but he did that despite a fairly incompetent offensive coaching staff. Waddle is one of the most explosive players after the catch in the league. And yet last year's coaching staff just didn't know how to get him the ball in a, in an area where he could do damage. If you look at route adjusted data, so basically accounting for the, your expected yards after the catch on different route types. Waddle's yak last season was 13.5% below expected. That's just unthinkable for someone with his skill set his final knowledge he was up at 44 percent obviously among the leaders in all of college football at that crazy number and the dolphins as a team they ranked dead last in yak over expected so the coaching staff did not know how to put their players in position to do damage with the ball in their hands now mike mcdaniels comes in from the 49ers offense who led the league in yak over expected by a pretty good margin too so he's going from the worst coaching staff putting players in position to do damage to the best. So I think he's going to, you know, assuming he sees a comparable workload, I don't even think he needs to reach the crazy uh, target numbers that he had last year to hit the over on his receiving yards. I think he had 140 targets last year, uh, but only 9.8 yards per reception. I think he's going to fly past that yards per reception number. So even a drop-off in usage a little bit, I think he's actually going to put up bigger numbers in this offense. Okay, there you go, Curtis. Wide receiver, you're higher on than the market. Curtis, you there? Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, I'm going to stay in the NFC East, and I'm going to go with Terry McLaurin. He seems to be a guy that I just can't stop drafting at the 3-4 turn, and there's a couple of reasons. 
Uh, I know Carson Wentz is still Carson Wentz, but it's a huge upgrade over Taylor Heineke of last year. So McLaurin had over 3,000 yards in his first three seasons. And in each of the last two years, he's had 130 targets. And he's really damn good at the wide receiver position. Uh, last year, McLaurin had 1,650 air yards, but Heineke just couldn't hit him with any passes. Carson Wentz struggles with accuracy, but he seems to be a little better on passes deeper down the field. So I'm hoping they can connect. And also, Logan Thomas is coming off a pretty substantial injury, and Curtis Samuel seems to be back and playing snaps, but he seemed to be off pretty big injury. Last year, McLaurin had 25.5% target share, and I could see that being a slight uptick. And I see the commanders running a few more plays. Towards the end of the year last year, they slowed down the offense a bit. So I could see a few more, a little bit of touchdown regression, and I could see McLaurin getting into the top five of fantasy receivers. He also had a prop of about 950. I'd like the over on that. I think he gets there. Um, and also Matt Harmon from Reception Perception. He's got McLaurin ranked 94th percentile in success rate against both press and man coverage. So McLaurin has been great. He's just had terrible quarterback play, similar to DJ Moore. Uh, they're both probably going to break out this year, but I like McLaurin a little more. Okay. Um, let's go to wide receiver you are lower on than the market, Rich. Yeah, and, you know, keeping that theme, like I said, you know, and that almost a buy low, sell high kind of, uh, you know, way to play fantasy football. Uh, and it's Debo Samuel. And it, it hurts a little bit because Debo Samuel is kind of like these one-on-one talents like right now that we have in the NFL. Um, you know, you look at just what happened though last season. I mean, it was just a perfect storm of efficiency and situation. I mean, he just came out of the blocks on fire basically as an alpha receiver uh, with George Kittle kind of in and out of the lineup the first half of the season and Brandon Ayuk in the doghouse. Uh, then he goes and moves back to his wide back role when the depth of the running back position was kind of exploited. He was fifth in the NFL in receiving yards last year, despite being 54th in routes run. Uh, he was just 26th in targets. He averaged 18.2 yards per catch after just 14 yards uh, over his career uh, to start. Uh, he had just nine red zone targets, which were 79th in the league. He had just four targets from inside the 10. He had just two targets in the end zone. Um, and if you look at the top 84 wide receivers in ADP, only wide receivers actually have a lower rate of career end zone targets than him uh, right now. And it's Rondell Moore who's only played one season in Ty Montgomery, who are also guys that played kind of running back too. Um, you know, you look at last year and you say, well, what about the rushing? Well, he did have 14 red zone attempts in, on the ground, but guess what? Just one of those carries came inside the five yard line uh, and the team had 14 carries in that area of the field. And none of them were from, or just a couple of them are from Trey Lance, who's going to be a starting quarterback this year in a red zone impact of himself. Samuel ended up scoring 13 of his 16 touchdowns, including the season last year from 10 yards or, or further. 54% of all NFL touchdowns are scored from inside of 10 yards. He scored eight more touchdowns than above expectation last year. Only Austin Eckler scored more. The difference between Eckler is he still was eighth in overall projected touchdowns. Debo Samuel was 55th. Now you add the Trey Lance factor too. Is he could is he a net negative for this offense if the passing efficiency go down? And this is a player you have to take in the second round over other really good players. I love Debo Samuel, the talent, but he really hit a perfect storm in terms of efficiency and situation last year. And it's very hard for me to click the button where you have to draft. 
Yep, it 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 stinks. I love Debo, uh, but you know, you're in this to make money, not to uh, be a fan. Uh, you can still be a fan, but but uh, fade him in fantasy or the futures futures market. Um, wide receiver, you are lower on than Market Ryan. Yeah, I'm a little bit down on Stephon Diggs and really everybody involved in the Buffalo passing game. Not from an efficiency standpoint. I still think this is going to be one of the best offenses in the league, but I think losing Brian Dable probably factors into, uh, probably makes them a little bit more of a conservative offense, like dials back their passing volume a bit this season. I think obviously we saw over Dable's tenure there, uh, them kind of grow into a much more aggressive offense. And I think Dable was a big factor there. I think Sean McDermott at his core is really a very conservative coach, but Dable, he was a very experienced offensive coordinator by the time he got to Buffalo already. He had been in a coordinator four times, uh, three different teams in the NFL, once in college. Um, so his word probably carried a lot more weight with McDermott than Ken Dorsey, a first-time offensive coordinator. So when Dayball was pushing for throwing the ball more and more, that problem, McDermott kind of went along with him. And I'm not so sure that Dorsey is, is going to be able to convince McDermott uh, to be that aggressive. So I'm expecting them to be a little bit more conservative on offense, probably just from a passing volume standpoint. They dial it back a bit. And I still think Diggs is great. He's going to have a good year, but uh, I think some of his numbers are, are likely to decline. I'll drop along the same lines. I'll drop a sharp prop. Uh, Dawson Knox under receptions. Take a look at that one, guys. Take a look at the Dawson Knox under receptions. Uh, Curtis, how about you? Wide receiver, you are lower on than the market. Yeah, Ryan, good one there. I thought I was going to have the hot take of the night, but I think you might have me with Dix because I know he just flies off the boards early in fantasy. I'm going with a wide receiver that plays the tight end position, and I'm going with Kyle Pitts. And this one could burn me. I, I know it. I see it could happen. And I think he is the most talented pass catcher in the league. But And should be a Dynasty 101 pick in tight end leagues. But I don't see it happening this year. At least I hope it doesn't because I haven't drafted him a lot. Uh, he's going to lead the league in yards at some point. But this year I just see too many things stacked against him. Uh, first uh, his head coach, Art Smith, ran the ball on 56% of first downs last year, even though they ranked 31st in the league. Uh, secondly, Drake London has a little bit of an injury. If he doesn't play, they have absolutely no other pass catchers to get on the field, and they can double and triple team pits and kind of hammer him there if Drake London does miss some time. Uh, next is the quarterback downgrade. Matt Ryan was really good last year. It kind of gets understated, but he was under pressure 40% of the time last year, and he put up some pretty good numbers. I don't see Mariota and Ritter combination because doing the same thing, and I'm sure we're going to see both of them because I think the Falcons are also going to be at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, and then the Falcons in general are a huge concern for me. Their win total keeps going down. We rank this O-line as the second worst in the league, and they play the toughest pass rushers in the league this year. Scored 31 total touchdowns. I don't see them getting that many again this year. So I, I love Kyle Pitts, the talent. I think he's going to be a great player. I just think the situation might be stacked against him. But that, in all honesty, that was when Darren Waller, still played football he's kind of gone MIA and before uh, Mark Andrews was likely the best tight end on their team so 
changed that stance a little bit lately, but still think Pitt is one year away from having that explosive season that we're waiting for. All right, guys. So real quick, we're going to run through the running backs we're higher on and lower on than the market. We're also going to get to our what is our favorite player prop bet that we've made so far this year. And then lastly, we're going to look at our early look at week one. So we're going to really speed up all of our answers and all of these for you because we do want to start watching this game uh, soon at eight o'clock. Probably going to spill over a little bit. Um, Do want to mention again, use the code spaces 70. You get 70% off the futures, 26 of them already out there, and use the code SHARP60. You get $60 off Rich's fantasy package, which is ridiculous, brings the price down to like $5 a week, which is insane, plus a free draft kit, which is ridiculous. Okay, running back, Rich, that you are higher on than the market, and real quick explanation as to why. Uh, Yeah, I'll start at the top here and uh, go with Dalvin Cook. Uh, another player that kind of let people down last year. Um, but, you you know, a lot of people have talked about, you know, Kevin O'Connell and him coming over from the Rams and the changes that it's going to mean for this passing game. But we already seen in the preseason so far, they've used 11 personnel, 72% of their offensive snaps uh, uh, already after 42% last year. There's going to be a major change. Uh, you know, Dalvin Cook coming off of career low receptions and yards per catch. Uh, if you look at the Rams pass catchers, they weren't target earners, but Daryl Henderson and Sonny Michelle combined for 183 routes in the slot or out wide. Dalvin Cook ran just 35 of those routes last year. Um, also, the 11 personnel kind of in favor of the pass game also has, has huge implications on the running game. Since Dalvin Cook entered the NFL, he's just 29th uh, among all running backs and carries out of 11 personnel. But he averages five and a half yards per carry out of 11 personnel. He's fourth in EPA per rush in his career from 11 personnel. Over the past three seasons, he's fifth, seventh, and first in EPA per rush out of 11 personnel. Also, there's scoring regression in his favor. Uh, The Vikings had 75% of their offensive touchdowns via passing. Historically, teams in that bucket are higher. Uh, increased their rush, uh, rushing scores for, to six per game the following season. And Cook just had bad luck on, on his own self last year. He he converted just 10.9% of opportunities in, into touchdowns last year. His career rate prior was 21.3%, so nearly cut in half. Uh, and on top of that, everything else, uh, he has our top-ranked rushing schedule for 2022 as well. Uh, so he's the guy I would look at now because the market hasn't really caught up. If you've been following us the entire offseason, you've already been on guys like Saquon and Damian Pierce uh, that the market's kind of like elevated towards the end of the line here. So Dalvin Cook's still one guy that still you can get kind of at that one-two turn. Okay. Ryan? Yeah, we've done. Bumped up a bit, so I'll say something uh, positive about them now. I love the over on Ezekiel Elliott's rushing yards. I was on this about yep, a week and a half sure. ago at 850. It's now down to 800. And, I yeah, sure, the Tyron Smith injury is going to affect his efficiency a little bit, but that is so low for a guy who's still going to lead the team in rushing. Um, there's a lot of outside noise uh, pressure, like, trying to pressure the Cowboys to use Tony Pollard more often. But I don't think there's any of that noise in the building. The coaching staff, why would they make significant changes to what they did last year? It basically worked. They won 12 games. And from up top, Jerry Jones loves this guy. And Jerry Jones is certainly not pressuring them to give Zeke fewer touches. If anything, he might be uh, trying to advise them to do more because he loves his Zeke. Uh, So I just don't see them scaling back his usage to such an extreme degree where he's held under 800 yards. 
I think he clears that easily. Curtis, you got to like hearing that. At least somebody said something good about your Cowboys. But uh, what do you got for us, running back that you are buying? Yeah, uh, that's also my favorite prop. So thanks ahead for that heads up. Um, Mixon, the market doesn't want to draft him in the first round because it's a consensus that he's a two-down back. Uh, even as a two-down back last year, his numbers were good. And theory of rational coaching, at some point in time, you don't put Samaje P. Ryan on the field to replace Joe Mixon. So I think the fact that they upgraded the O-line, uh, more two high looks, he's going to be more efficient when he does touch the ball. But I also think he's going to remain on the field a little bit more. And even though he was only on the field for two downs, he still averaged over five receptions in his last six games. There you go. How about you, Rich? Now we'll switch to running backs that we are lower on than the market. Yeah, I'm not going to shy away. I've given Burrow and Debo two guys that go really highly, so I might as well go with another guy that you're going to have to be faced with. If you want him, you're going to have to take him high. Uh, And I would not. I would take him lower than the market, and that's Najee Harris. Uh, you look at Najee Harris, I mean, he was everything as advertised coming out of college. I mean, a reliable workhorse that he was at Alabama. He played 170 more offensive snaps than any other running back in the NFL. He led all, all backs in 74 catches. The bad news is, despite all of that, he was still just the RB8 in, in points per game in PPR formats. Uh, there's just no explosive plays. Just 9.1% of his carries gained 10 or more yards. That was 31st out of 53 players with 100 or more carries last year. The offensive line was 30th in run block win rate at ESPN, 24th in overall run blocking grade at Pro Football Focus. It doesn't look any better on paper. Um, he had the most. He had the most carries in the NFL with six or fewer defenders last year, 144. Uh, he averaged a full yard below the league rate on yards per carry against six or fewer defenders. He averaged just 1.4 yards prior to contact on those carries uh, because the Steelers' offensive line is awful. Uh, uh, that was the third lowest rate of yards prior to contact on those runs among all backs that had 50 or more of those carries. Um, and then we also have to question the, the the change of offensively, like sure. Could the Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett be better than Ben Roethlisberger? But what about the mobility of those guys? Low, one, the mobility lowering the overall pass attempts, and then just the the where they don't have to just run a bunch of six yard passes. Um, he had 60 targets behind the line of scrimmage last year. That was 21 more than the next closest running back. If you're not getting not getting all of those catches, and like I said, he was already the RB8 in just points per game. Uh, that's going to come significantly down, and that's stuff that just kept him above water. Uh, so I, I do believe that, like, you know, the volume's there. You bet on volume. It's king. I don't know, think he'll absolutely tank you, but he's kind of like the vanilla ice cream of first-round picks. Well, speaking of that, you know, that was another one that we aligned on from a betting perspective. Betting the under in Najee Harris rushing yards is absolutely the way to look. At one point, I think it was 1,200. I think now it's 1,150. Both of those are still good. He hit 1,200 last year carrying this ridiculous workload. And if you listen to Rich, he gave you all the reasons why. The why the one that I love the most is just the rate of light boxes that the Steelers were facing due to their pass rate and the way that their passing offense was deployed. They faced light boxes at the third highest rate in the NFL, but they ranked third worst in yards before contact per carry. These two things should not be like that. They should be very much in line if you have – a lot of light boxes, then you should not be facing, if you have a lot of light boxes, you should be getting more yards before contact. If you don't have a lot of light boxes, you should be expected to have a lot of defenders there 
to slow your ability to get yards before contact. But for the Steelers, they couldn't get yards before contact despite the light boxes. We sold Najee. I completely agree with Rich. Ryan, how about you? Yeah, purely from a betting perspective, I'm a little bit down on Jonathan Taylor. His rushing yards prop is just too high. I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it was 1450, I want to say. Yep. Yep. Um, he had an unrealistic amount of yardage gained on his longest runs of the year. He had 14 carries for 20 or more yards. Those 14 carries added up to 550 total yards. I, I'm, an article on our website, if you want to go check it out, I dug into what that means and just how unlikely it is that he could repeat that again. But I mean, we can say with almost 100% certainty, he can't rack up 550 yards on 14 carries. There's a lot of luck involved in putting up a huge number on such a small number of carries um and so you know just looking at his longest runs that's going to scale him back that alone should scale him maybe 250 to 300 fewer yards even if he replicates everything else about his season but we also think he's probably going to get a lighter workload too just because you know it makes sense they want to keep him from fresh they shouldn't uh push him so far over 300 carries again uh so those two factors and i I think he's still gonna have a great year but you know 1,400 yards is a great year, and yet you still hit the under. Yeah, I thought that was absolutely brilliant. The analysis Ryan did to support that prop that he posted on our website was fascinating. I loved it. I agreed with it. We bet that under as well. Uh, Curtis, how about you? Yeah, I want to speak to Rich and his package. He said he's not going to give you any skeleton key to win your league, but his process is the skeleton key. He leaves no stone unturned, and He's been absolutely instrumental in my learning experience here. So start with that. And then kind of instead of a a running back that I'm fading, it's more of an archetype that I'm fading. So it's the committee backfields, backfields where there's a first and second down back or even two of those and then a third down back. So I want nothing to do with those, especially in redraft because the ceiling is so limited. So I'll just give the Gibson and Robinson. I don't care who's starting. I don't care who's returning kicks. I don't want either of them. The ceiling isn't there for either of them. Uh, same with Penny and Walker in Seattle and Jacobs and Samir White in Las Vegas. Okay, excellent. Um, so now we're going to move on to our fl- favorite player prop that we've bet so far this offseason or the favorite player that we've drafted so far this offseason. And I do want to echo your sentiments about Rich. I also mentioned Rich tomorrow is it tomorrow rich that you're doing the first live fantasy chat with all of our subscribers uh that's correct so tomorrow rich goes on youtube and chats with all of our subscribers and literally like answers any question that you have for him about your draft about players all the great knowledge that he's been spilling here tonight you can actually get one-on-one contact with him in communication watch him try to stumble across your questions and answers tomorrow that's for all of our fantasy subscribers so he'll do it for like an hour or longer i don't know what he's doing but uh it's going to be outstanding you want to buy the fantasy package just to get access to rich he's doing that three times before the season starts and then he does it every single sunday morning to help you set your lineups during the season live drafts just talking with rich um okay rich favorite player that you drafted this season so I'll give it uh, away a little uh, draft hack here for you guys, and not just a player, but a, a subset of players. 
that if you just draft and invest in, the returns have been absolutely, you know, profitable, uh, you know, for the last decade plus. And it's year two wide receivers, uh, and particularly building out the depth of your roster with year two wide receivers. Uh, you know, I have an article on this on the website that basically talks about uh, the hit rates for all wide receivers, whether they be rookies, year two, year three, year four, if you've been in the league five or more years. Um, and there's no subset of wide receivers that consistently beats ADP, produces wide receiver three or better seasons, wide receiver two or better seasons, and wide receiver one seasons than year two wide receivers. It used to be kind of the old thing, like year three, right, is the thing. Year two wide receivers, and we've got such a gaggle of really great guys that are all available. So we removed Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle, two guys that go top 24 at their position. We still have Rashad Bateman, Amon Ross St. Brown, Devontae Smith, Elijah Moore, Kadarius Toney, Rondell Moore, Josh Palmer. All these guys go as a wide receiver three or later in your draft. You want to grab as many of those guys as you can onto like the tack end of your, uh, you know, your wide receiver three and your bench guys, because that's the subset of, of players that hit the most at the wide end. All right. Uh, same question for you, uh, Ryan. Who's the fl- favorite player you've drafted, or what's your favorite player prop that you've bet? Yeah, I'll just give some of my favorite player prop, just going over some of the ones that I've already talked about. But my two favorites are the over on Jalen Waddle. The best number that's available for that is 904. I think he clears that easily, as we've talked about. Going to be a lot more efficient in that uh, Mike McDaniels offense. And then an under that I like the best is the under on Baker Mayfield, 3,800 passing yards. I just think there's a really good chance he gets benched at some point, possibly not by his own doing. I mean, he may not deserve it, but uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Matt Rule to make something happen, and that could be a quarterback change. Curtis, how about you? Yeah, I'm going with the Zeke Elliott over rushing yards. Uh, we've shit on my Cowboys enough. I need to have a little bit of fun and need need something to look forward to for them. So go Zeke. <laughs> well, I'll I'll throw some throw some water on that right now. Uh, I like the Eagles to win the NFC East. I frankly, we I mean, we were there. We were betting this thing early, early. Uh, we were betting it all the way down to plus one ninety. Then we took a break, and now with this news last night, we were betting it once again at plus one seventy. It's plus one sixty. I just think that this really is a two horse race in this division between the Eagles and the Cowboys. And I think the Cowboys right now are almost playing with one hand tied behind their back. As long as the Eagles don't uh, deal with a rash of injuries or something else in the future, if we look at this division right now, cast it and die cast it, and we don't change any of the rosters at all, the Eagles are winning this division. And to get them at plus 160, I think, is a, is a solid value even today. Um, all right, week one, Rich. What is one spot that you love for a player? Somebody's looking at a draft, they want to get ready for week one. What's a great spot for either a team or a player matchup that you see already for week one? I don't know how you cannot be excited just right out of the box for Russell Wilson going back to Seattle. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, it, and it's the whole month, this passing game, uh, the whole opening month. I mean, his opening four starts this year come against teams that were 22nd lower in defensive EPA versus the pass. Uh, the Seattle, Houston, uh, San Francisco all have, uh, you know, bottom third rank secondaries in our preseason ranks. Against uh, bottom 10 pass defenses a year ago, he, he still averaged 8.4 yards per pass attempt, 2.3 passing touchdowns per game. Going back home to kind of prove that maybe like, yeah, it, I, I'm still that guy and you guys let me go. Uh, although he did ask for it, but I mean, I don't know how you cannot be excited to, to watch him go back there. 
I think it's going to be outstanding. And I think, you know, Cortland Sutton is a guy that we were buying in fantasy as well uh, and in the player prop market. I Cortland Sutton is in for a great season. Um, we don't have as many overs on season-long player props as we do unders, uh, but I highly recommend uh, Cortland Sutton as one. In terms of uh, – well, let's jump, jump now to Curtis. Curtis, give me a week one. Uh, yeah, let, yeah, I'll go with a bet. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with a bet. Uh, just a nice little teaser to start the year. I would go with the Browns up to 7.5. They're one-and-a-half-point underdogs. That's a Stefanski rule thing, so – even if the Browns do lose, I don't think in that low-scoring game that they'll be beaten by more than a touchdown, and probably they could win that one outright. And then you can go either way, either the 49ers, Bears down to one, or even go with the Broncos to stomp Pete in the opening game there. So either, either way, I would use the Browns and then one of the 49ers or the Broncos bringing it back. I'll give you guys another uh kind of pull back the curtain moment. Um, you know, I mentioned how the under was hammered in the Dallas Cowboys-Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. Uh, really sharp money drove it from 52 down to 50. Now, 51 is a key number in totals. Um, so just be aware of that. It's now below that, but uh, 50 is everywhere. Uh, um, I was not responsible for that move. Uh, but a move that I was responsible for is pretty much the only other total that has seen just ridiculous movement over the last couple of weeks. And that was we sent as our first play of the year over on the Eagles lions game at 46 and a half. And if you're looking at your screen, that is now pretty much 48 and a half to 49. Um, so that's two and a half points of movement on a week one total. And that is pretty much, um, you know, it was so, so reassuring and so nice to, see that level of movement again to feel that again because we haven't been moving the market since last football season in the playoffs and uh and so we go months without moving the betting market and all of a sudden we come back fire our first one out there and we get two and a half points of movement not many groups do that uh certainly not many people that just run websites do that uh and so you know that's the type of stuff that you are going to get when you are using sharp football analysis for a betting perspective you're going to get get on the right side of the get up to 48 not for 49 um and and that's a total that i just really like i think the eagles offense as i alluded to earlier is going to be more pass heavy than it was last year i think aj brown's gravity is going to make things easier for the offense and for jalen hurts to both throw the ball and run the ball i think the lions defense has a potential to absolutely stink this year once again and the strength of their defense is their pass rush and the strength of the Eagles right now is their O-line. I think years back, like the last several years, we've had some question marks along this Eagles O-line due to injuries from time to time. But when everybody's healthy, cross your fingers as they currently are, this offensive line is going to be really good. And then if you look at the flip side of the ball, the strength of the Lions is their offensive line on offense. And the Eagles are going to get after them from a pass rush perspective, but we're going to see a lot of advantages there for their pass rush, uh, for, for their pass protection. I'll have some success against these secondaries. Um, so with that said, guys, um, I am going to give mention the guy who wins the free monthly subscription. He goes by the name Will Hernandez. So Will Hernandez, uh, shoot me a DM. 
you will get one month free uh, for all access. Remember all the coupon codes that codes that we shared with you. Space is 70, gets you $70 off the futures package. There's 26 things up there now. More to come before the season starts and more will come during the season as we will be giving you for the first time ever all of our futures during the season. All that $70 off or use the code SHARP60 on the fantasy product and you'll get the fantasy that Rich is doing, all of his draft chats, one of which is tomorrow. He sent a note out to all subscribers earlier today. Uh, a live video chat helping you pick your draft. You got two more of those after tomorrow before the season starts, plus all of his draft content, plus all of his in-season content for only $5 a week and all the draft stuff is free. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, but use code SHARP60 to get $60 off of that.